Hi, this is uh, Scott Minaj's podcast. So, when we left you last, you were getting ready to take a trip out to uh, Jerusalem. And in that time, since you've been in Jerusalem, we've now been <clears throat> commemorating Yom HaShoah, the remembrance of the Holocaust. So, you want to talk about a little bit about your trip? Sure. Um, my trip was, I think my trip was a little conflicted. I had a, a great opportunity of being in Jerusalem, in Tel Aviv, West Bank, at Bethlehem University, which is in the West Bank. Talking with Israelis, Palestinians, uh, talking about the situation there. But more importantly, you know, I want to talk a little bit about the conference that I was invited to, which was... Who invited you? Uh, the Israeli uh, Ministry of Foreign Affairs invited me. It was their sixth annual global summit on anti-Semitism. Um, and there were people there that were government people, um, government en- envoys from France and England. That's pretty st- prestigious. you have any idea how they found your name or how you got on that list? Well, it's kind of silly because, you know, there's very few Muslims doing Holocaust work or anti-Semitism work. Or, or none, maybe. <laughs> or none. No, it. there are some. And, you know, it was really nice because on the panel I was on, I, I made friendships and connections because there's an Israeli Arab woman. She's a Muslim. She's, she was raised in Jerusalem. She does a lot of great work on the ground for younger people, especially teenagers in schools, bringing them together, doing after-school programs, because she realized that she was growing up in a place where people were becoming disconnected. And then I was also in a panel, with another guy who was in our panel was uh, Turkish uh, Muslim, also uh, in Berlin, working with immigrants, uh, talking about anti-Semitism and Islamophobia. So I think it was a really strong panel, very strong people, but very little attendance, uh, very disappointing to me. Because I'm constantly asked this question, where are the Muslims, where are the Muslims? And there we are, two Muslim women and a Muslim man. Well, that's interesting, where were where the people? They were in a concurrent, uh, apparently, um, session on UNESCO's uh, kind of take on <clears throat> you know whether um, certain parts of Israel was actually a historical site for Jews and so it was a very politically charged panel and so a lot of people went there and a lot of people told me that they went there they wanted to come to hear me but they were politically had to be there for so what, what you're saying is that here we are it's you're in Israel and there's a Muslim talking about the Holocaust, maybe for the first time, and everyone decided to go to another panel. <laughs> That's what you're telling me. Yeah, it was it was disappointing. I mean, I wrote a little thing on LinkedIn. I mean, I'm thinking of making it into an article at some point for <clears throat> like a newspaper or a you know whatever online um, media outlet, but. You know, it's just, that was disappointing. I, I think the people there were uh, well-intended, intended, meaning not attended, but intended, and they were 
definitely focused on anti-Semitism, which I knew the conference was about, but there was no critique of the Israeli government, mm -hmm. um, which I understand because it was Israeli foreign ministry, but there were also academics and media people that could have given some more nuance. Well, I mean, I was going to ask you, how are things on the ground there? I mean, <clears throat> I know you went to Bethlehem. Um, was there a, a different perspective on the people with from the people you met in Bethlehem? And again, give uh, the listener an idea of what's the difference between Bethlehem and Jerusalem. Well, I mean, Bethlehem is in the West Bank, which is the Palestinian territories, and Jerusalem is in controlled. Well, in Israel, controlled mm -hmm. by Israel. Um, so it's two different things. But but <clears throat> what was the difference? So I went to Jerusalem after like 20-some years. Mm -hmm. And I went to the old city, which is beautiful and as moving and spiritual as it was 20 years ago. And I went to all three places of um, importance to me, which is Haram al-Sharif, the Wailing Wall, and the Church of Holy Sepulchre. And yeah. actually I was... The most moved at the Church of Holy Sepulchre. Why is that exactly? Well, it was, it was right before Easter, and I think people were coming to give pilgrimage, and there were women who were, and men, um, that were just, on the ground, uh, where, Jesus was crucified apparently, and, there was just emotion and spirit and candle lighting and this kind of. It wasn't that crowded, but I just felt moved in this space. Mm. And I started th thinking of Esau, you know, as my beloved prophet, and how much that meant to billions of people. Right. And how they were really, I mean, in Christianity, he's, you know, the image of God. I think, I think a lot of people are interested in, in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. Is it a large space, a very small space? How, how is it? It's the space where people really want to be is very small. Um, the rest of the, I mean, it's not a large space, no. Nothing like... Sort of like the Vatican. No, no, no. Um, but it was very moving, very open. I really loved it. The Wailing Wall was also beautiful, but they have a different kind of entrance to it now, which I've never seen. Um, for, the, for the sake of the listeners, why is the Wailing Wall sacred to Judaism? Well, you know, uh, it goes back to um, the, the 7th century where there was a destruction of the temple and the only remaining part of the temple is the Wailing Wall. Mm -hmm. So there were two temples and this is the second destruction. So for them, it marks their place of the promised land and their place of really instantiating who they were as a people. Mm -hmm. Did you meet any um, people in the West Bank that give you a, a perspective that was so different than you would have received in Jerusalem? Well, I mean, I think very different. I mean, in Jerusalem, I met um, mostly Israelis. Um, Israeli cab drivers, people who worked at places, restaurant people, 
and then of course the conference people, the conference people it was hard to get anything out of, but the sentiment of cab drivers is very mixed. Some were, screw the Palestinians, we've done enough, we want peace, and they don't want peace. And the other cab drivers talked about how they needed to, they understood the plight of the Palestinians and that they wanted peace, but it was hard under the present government. And some people, and what my last cab driver was Gung Ho Trump, as well as- I was, I was gonna ask you how, how the impression of America was uh, faring at this time. They love the United States. They just love it. <laughs> they love it. Okay. Um, but I, but I want to tell you about my cab drive. Um, when I was flying out of Tel Aviv, mm-hmm. his name, what did I say? Is Mino. He's a father, and we were chatting, and he said, "Oh, you're from New York. Now you have Trump. What do you think?" And I said, "Well, you know, I have extremely mixed feelings, if not distraught feelings." And he said. He loved him, and he felt like he was doing the right thing for our, the Americans, um, moving them forward. And he said, for us, we love him because of the Jerusalem move being the capital. And he said, but Netanyahu, he's like a demigod, so he's different from Trump. And I said, well, I don't know how they're different. And then we had this long conversation about Trump and Netanyahu, and then I said to him, I'm Muslim. And he turned around, almost stopped his car, and like right before a checkpoint, but I don't think he could stop. He just flipped around and looked at me and said, you're Muslim? Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah. He said, look, I... What do you think he was? What do you think he thought you were? Some American New York chick. Mm-hmm. And, and all of a sudden, he started to... I don't think he was changing his tune, but he started to realize that he was sort of in a conversation with a Muslim woman who was not anti-Semitic, not anti-Western, and that kind of, you know, understood the existence of Israel, and he just was completely dumbfounded. I gave him my card, and I said, you know, you can email me, and... What do you think uh, had that taxi driver been um, attending your talk back in Jerusalem, what do you think he would have taken away from it? That there are Muslims who think differently, just like there are Jews that think differently. I mean, this is such a quagmire, you know. We have the really rancor of loud voices on both sides that mm-hmm. really kind of bury uh, so many other people's opinions. Uh, but, you know, we do vote these people in, like we voted Trump, so we have to live with the consequences. But it doesn't mean that we can't voice ourselves and have freedom of expression in any of these countries or territories. Well, it sounds that, like your trip to Jerusalem had some ups and downs, but for the most part it was successful. Mm-hmm. But now here we are, and you're back. It's been a while, and uh, Yom Hoshoah is here, and you've just come back from talking. Can For the sake of the listeners, give me a little background on Yom Hoshoah and uh, what typically is done to remember the Holocaust today. All right, Yom HaShoah means a um, day of Holocaust remembrance, which is set in 19, I should remember this, 52, I believe, by Israel. And it always falls on the seventh day, 
eighth day after Passover, and it's a day of remembrance. <clears throat> and in Israel, they have a one-minute um, siren, and everybody stops absolutely everything they're doing. Literally, the whole town. If you're just walking country, down the street, the whole country. So you can see it sometimes on YouTube where people stop driving, mm -hmm. stop everything, and they just stop for one minute in silence. And people do this all over in Jewish communities. Like in Rome, I saw it. I saw it in different places. Um, and so in the United States, uh, and then there's many commemorations of survivors in the United States. We like candles. We think about the people who survived and also, of course, the people who were murdered. And so... I had a program at Manhattan College at my center on Yom HaShoah on the April 12th, which is where it f fell this year. And then today I spoke at the Holocaust Memorial Center at Nassau. Um, in Long Island? In Long Island, yeah. Mm -hmm. And well, it was very moving. Well, you can say, what was the message you, you were trying to bring? My message was to have human experience with one another and to be somebody who speaks up against their own community if they see prejudice unsolicited prejudice against the other group like Jews or Muslims um, my, my only message has been you may not agree with the other person but you must acknowledge the other person's point of view of suffering of historical fact uh, you told me that two students came driving all the way out to Long Island to to see you uh, maybe they're getting this message yeah I mean two of my students surprised me they were they drove out an hour and a half and there they were and they were listening to me and it was just the most amazing feeling for me they're both not from Jewish or Muslim backgrounds, but they recently went on a trip to Palestine, uh, not so much to Israel. And <clears throat> I think they're in, they're interested in hearing all sides. And I think that's what I what I've instilled in my students is that you've got to get every narrative. You can't just be you know pro-Israeli and pro-Palestinian or anti-Israeli or anti-Palestinian. Um, you kind of have to be both, mm -hmm. in my perspective, which is what I am. Mm -hmm. I mean, well, thanks for bookending that. Uh, that um, wraps up our podcast. This is the second podcast of Scott and Oz. And uh, next time we'll be maybe uh, talking about our trip to Sarajevo or some other topic. I hope you can listen then. <laughs>